0: good to be with you church am i on okay i am fighting a cold and so my voice sounds very very far away but i have a voice which i did not have several weeks ago Um, let me just add my personal thank you chris to you uh, for your leadership of the missions team You, you all need to know that i mean god's a big god he can work in lots of ways We don't put them in a box. But I don't know if we'd be in Bolivia without this guy and his wife, Maria, who is from Bolivia. So, Chris, thank you for taking your family connection and leveraging that to create opportunities for us to minister the gospel. Uh, We are seriously grateful for you. Thank you, pal. Thank you, thank you. Uh, For the last few, well, I shouldn't say a few months, for almost a year, uh, we've been studying the Gospel of Mark, and this morning we are going to take a little break from our study to address a bit of a different topic. Uh, many of you received a note from me a few days ago, uh, sharing our conviction as an eldership that Gene, our senior pastor, is very much in need of an extended sabbatical from the normal work of pastoral ministry. I sent that out to all of our members and. And that's the big idea driving everything I'm going to share this morning. Let me tell you why I put that out there up front. Because I've been a listener. And I've been sitting where you're sitting. And here's what happens. Uh, you start hearing the person up on stage say things. And, and at some point you quit listening. Because in your mind, all your thoughts are going toward where is this going? What, what, is he bu- what is all this kind of building up toward? So I just wanted to pop the balloon out of the gate. That's the big idea. Uh, This morning, I want to talk about why we believe Gene, and by extension, our entire church, uh, needs to send him on a sabbatical. So I want to talk about the need for that. I want to talk about our plan for that. When I'm done, uh, Gene will come up and you'll have an opportunity to hear his perspective. And I should add, before we jump into this, uh, folks, that if you've been around for some time, uh, you've never heard us talk about sabbaticals before. If you're sitting there thinking, is this new? The answer is is yes, we've never talked about sabbaticals before here. Though one of the things that I've learned over the last few weeks of study is that a lot of other denominations are ahead of us in this regard. And if you come from a a PCA or RCA or OPC, know what those acronyms mean, don't worry if you don't, backgrounds, you know that it's very typical for a pastor to go on a sabbatical every uh, seven years or so. Uh, Gene has been serving for almost 30 Just put that in perspective. So I'm grateful for the wise counsel that we're starting to receive from other denominations, but that doesn't change our need for wisdom. So please join me in prayer. Father, I ask that as we tackle a big topic today, uh, that you would give me a voice to speak and your words to say. Father, we need your wisdom. There are a lot of questions right now, I'm sure. And I pray for grace to answer as many as possible. Lord, I thank you for your work in our church. Thank you for your work in Gene, for your care for Gene and his wife Liz. And I pray as we begin to set new precedents for what I hope, Father, becomes a normal experience for pastors here on a regular basis, that you would give us courage to jump into unknown things, wisdom from above, and a heart of peace that comes not from knowing how everything's going to work out, but from trusting you. So I pray for that. Give me wisdom. Give us wisdom, Lord. Thank you that you love us as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here is why I wanted us to listen to Paul's words to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That I think the thing that we need to start with, In considering a sabbatical for Gene is the context of Christian ministry. And you notice I said Christian ministry, not pastoral ministry. That was deliberate. I hope you caught that. And the reason is that while pastoral ministry certainly highlights and is unique in some ways among all Christian ministry, all of us are in Christian ministry. And there are things that I'm going to share this morning about some work God's doing in Gene's heart that are not unique to pastors. One of the things that I am eager to see the Lord do is as we consider briefly up front the context of Christian ministry, we would realize that God intends to restore and renew us too. hope that makes sense. So look at verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at the context of Christian ministry. Paul Paul refers in this first verse to a ministry he has received, quote, by the mercy of God. And in the second verse, he fills in that blank. What is this ministry he's received? It's a call, God called him, to the open statement of the truth. What sort of truth? The truth of the gospel. Look at verse 6. God didn't just tell Paul, Paul, go out there and Start saying things you think are true. He gave Paul a message. Verse 6. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here's what that means. God commissioned Paul to do one thing. One thing. To speak openly about this good news of salvation from sin and all its consequences through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was Paul's mission. That's what God called him to because it is in Christ, Paul says, who he is and what he's done for us that we perceive the greatest revelation of the character of God. We see God's justice in Christ. We see God's mercy in Christ. We perceive that the greatest story going down in the world, church, is not the triumph of man, but the triumph of God. That's why he gave Paul that message. And in a sense, church, that means I don't care what happens in the news this week. I really don't. Because this we know righteousness is going to prevail. Okay? Justice is going to prevail. And I would add, that's not because the arc of history happens to bend in that direction, it's because the character of God and the purpose of the gospel stand squarely in that direction. That's God's commitment. That's why Paul had a ministry. By the way, that's why you've got a ministry. God's on the move. Whereas Paul declares in the end of chapter 3, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Paul, Paul knew that God was on the move in the world around him. Church, God is on the move in the world around you. And that... Did something for Paul. Two times in chapter 4, Paul says this. I don't lose heart. I don't lose heart. And there's a reason Paul would say that. Because although he knew God was on the move, this he also knew. First thing I want us to see about Christian ministry. Gospel ministry is hard. Really hard. Really hard. Look at, look at verse 8. I hope you caught this earlier. Some amazing descriptions here from the Apostle Paul. We are afflicted. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are struck down. If you signed up for that, when you agreed to follow Jesus, raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Let me add this. We need to do a better job as a church of making sure people know that following Jesus means those things. Always has, always will. Embracing and pursuing the ministry God entrusted to Paul required, look at verse 11, that he be, quote, given over to death for Jesus' sake. Or verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Church, that means As Paul says, we've got a treasure. We have a message. You have a ministry. God has given us the treasure of the gospel. And God has made us to hold forth that treasure in this community in a thousand different ways. But listen to this. Paul says, we have that treasure, verse 7, in what? A jar of clay. And he's not talking about some sort of ceramic Bible cover. He's talking about you. Me, himself. I'm tempted to make all of you t-shirts that on the back say, you know, front says, Welcome to Kingsway. On the back it says, I'm a jar of clay. <laughs> that's not creating something that's not already true. Right now, sitting in your seat feeling hopefully fairly comfortable, you are a jar of clay. Afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, that's par for the course in Christian ministry. And for a lot of us, our ministry is going to look a little different than the Apostle Paul. Let's just recognize that. So all of us have a gospel ministry. Some of us are going to do that as a student, sharing sharing Jesus with our classmates. Some of you are going to do that as a mom, sharing Jesus with your children. Some of you are going to do that in a, a corporate office where the culture around you says, don't talk about religion. But God says, speak the gospel. here's the principle in all of that in every form of christian ministry gospel ministry is hard it's hard so that paul would say death is at work in him i wonder if you've ever felt that in doing things god's called you to do like like part of you this is just a visceral description is dying Thinking about this. Something is, is dying when you explain the difference between a good person and a Christian in the break room or on the flight home from Chicago. Something is dying when you walk away from your gang of friends out there in an hour to greet a visitor to this church. Something is dying when you spend one precious evening a week studying the Bible with a new Christian or helping a couple work through marriage conflict. Something is dying when you get up from breakfast or lunch or dinner or all three meals to discipline your toddler instead of reading the paper. Something is dying when you spend your wealth serving the poor in Bolivia instead of joining the country club. Something is dying when you devote the final years of your life to caring for a disabled spouse when you could be traveling the world. I hope you, I hope you can just keep going with that in your mind. What, what church is dying? Why would Paul say in the course of gospel ministry, I feel like I'm dying? It's because of the desires of his flesh were dying. Our desires for for comfort, for convenience, for security. You'll never know the joy of following Jesus if you're not willing to know the pain of forsaking the world. That's what Paul's saying. Following Jesus is hard. Repentance hard. Hurts, And the fact that God uses the deaths that we die in a thousand ways in the course of gospel ministry to bring life to people around us doesn't change the fact that part of you and part of me and part of every believer faithfully following the Lord is always dying. We we shouldn't be afraid to describe the hardness of gospel ministry or, or to think that somehow to speak of it in those terms is a lack of faith. No. You don't want to accuse Paul of that. He's he's wonderfully honest, wonderfully honest. But praise God, that's not the only thing that's true, right? Gospel ministry is hard. Point number two, God's power is sufficient. We've got to hold those things together. Most people pick one. Gospel ministry is hard. Second, God's power is sufficient. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Folks, what what keeps a person who's afflicted in the course of living for Jesus from being crushed? What keeps a person who's perplexed in the course of gospel ministry from being driven to despair? What what keeps a person who's being persecuted from feeling forsaken or who just keeps getting struck down and struck down and struck down from being destroyed? What does that? It's not the Avengers. (laughs) It's the power of God. It's the power of God. Verse 7. But we have this treasure. Gene, you've got your treasure. And a jar of clay. Why? To show that. Folks, that those three words are tremendously encouraging. Because it proves that the clayness of your jar has a God-given purpose. It's not a fluke. It's not a freak. The fact that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and feel like a truck of weakness ran over you is not a cosmic accident. It's the design of your God. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Not to us got to notice two things there. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And second, it's not just a power. It's a surpassing power. Surpassing power. Some of you young people probably heard this illustration before. But, but there was a time when I really enjoyed playing video games. Really enjoyed playing video games. And if you are my age and you're still enjoying it, please don't apologize. They are a gift from God. Joel Aliff. So. Um, here's what you need to know about Halo if you've never played Halo. Okay? Here's what you need to know. Um, there are two things in every level in Halo that are mission critical. For real, this, this is serious stuff. You, you've got to know the best places to hide, and you want to know where the rocket launcher is. Okay? Now, mind you, if you're not familiar with video games, you know, I'm happy for you to play and, you know, all too happy for you to not know where the rocket launcher is. You can play and not know. You just won't last long. And here's why you need to know. Here's why you need to know. Why you need the rocket launcher. One shot. Kaboom. No second shot necessary. No reloading. One shot works the rocket launcher is more than sufficient for the task at hand it's not just power it's surpassing power and i'm going to get it think of the power of god in you that way god hasn't given you a, you know a little cap gun Bang, 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 bang. Thanks for the power, God. Bang, 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 bang. Boom! You know, killing spree. No. (laughs) No. If you're a believer, you've got something called the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in you. You know what that comes with? A rocket launcher. (laughs) You have surpassing power in your jar of clay. You're a jar of clay, gospel ministry is hard, but you have surpassing power. It doesn't mean your ministry is going to be easy, but it means that if you're following Jesus, you are never, ever, ever going to lack all the resources you need to do everything God's called you to. That's what it means. You're not going to run out of ammo. The hardship in your ministry is designed to reveal the surpassing power of Christ in your ministry. Which means your affliction is not a mistake. Your perplexity is not an accident. Your persecution is not the end of the line. The unconquerable power of Jesus is being manifested in your dying body. And we know that. But it's hard to believe that sometimes. We forget we're holding a rocket launch. And our failure to remember, our lack of faith, our lack of spiritual reliance on the power of God, is a big deal. Because gospel ministry is hard. God's power is sufficient. But perseverance requires faith. Perseverance requires faith. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. Listen listen for what caused Paul to not stop speaking the truth of the gospel. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. We also believe and so we speak. We believe, we speak. There was a believing in Paul's gospel ministry that led to speaking in gospel ministry. His, his speaking remained strong because his believing remained strong. His faith was strong, if you would. Verse 14. What are you believing, Paul? What's your faith in? What's the object of your faith? Verse 14. Faith that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Okay? So Paul looked back to the resurrection of Christ. Paul looked forward to the return of Christ. And then Paul remembered this. My little story is part of God's great big story. And that means some things. That means that God who raised Jesus is going to raise my weary body. Faith. That means that the God who raised Jesus is one day going to raise every one of these troubling church members in Corinth who are a pain in my side right now. God's going to raise them. That's faith. And he remembered that the sacrifices he was making to disciple the Corinthians were in that very moment, verse 15, increasing thanksgiving to the glory of God as men and women in Corinth came to know and trust and love Jesus because of all of Paul's sacrifices. He he saw that his little story and world were part of God's great big story. It was faith. And there was a connection between his faith And who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing and his perseverance in ministry. There was a relationship between those two things. He couldn't have persevered in ministry apart from faith. He kept speaking because he kept believing. He kept working because he kept trusting. He knew my team is going to win. It is. Jesus' victory guarantees my victory and infuses all of my ministry and all of my sacrifices with unshakable hope that none of this stuff is in vain. It is going somewhere. It's achieving something. It is going to overflow now and in eternity in praise to the living God. That required faith. And so we could say... As he kept his eye on God's big story. For this light momentary affliction. Is preparing for us. An eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen. But to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen. Are eternal. What did did Paul see? Affliction. Persecution. Suffering. What did Paul not yet see? The return of the king. The the day when Jesus was going to come back and, and end evil and make all things new. So that's what he saw. That's what he didn't see. What did he focus on? What he had yet to see. That was a choice he made. Friend, that's a choice you have to make if you're going to persevere in ministry. Paul Paul didn't just think, Oh, cool, Jesus is coming back. You know, what time's the game start today? <laughs> no. The return of the Lord was the great joy of his life. It's it's what he lived for and and longed to see because Christ's return ensured that none of his sacrifice would be in vain. Paul knew, church, we need to know, as we think about a sabbatical for Gene, that gospel ministry is hard, the power of God is sufficient, and persevering requires faith. Gospel ministry is hard. Thank you, Mike. God's power is sufficient. And persevering requires faith. What you're focused on makes all the difference. That's the context. We have to start there. So let's consider Gene's need. Gene's need. Dwayne, mute my mic. need. How does Gene's experience, our experience as a church, map onto Paul's story? 2010 was a hard year for us. Okay? For many, that's not a surprise. Many of you are thinking, Matthew, what an understatement. Uh, yeah, well, if you weren't around back then, uh, here are a couple things you need to know. One of the things I love about serving in this church is uh, we don't hide stuff. We don't market our best face not talk about the rest, because that's not honest. That's hiding weakness. What did we just learn about weakness? It shows the surpassing power of God. So, 2010 was a hard year for us. If you weren't around, uh, about half our members left. We said goodbye to several pastors, and those of us who remained had to navigate this whole mix of godly conviction, ungodly slander, and just the pain of losing relationships. It was pretty common for a lot of people. Now, I should add that, that God used a lot of people back then, uh, some of whom left well, some of whom didn't leave so well, to do really good work in our hearts. And church, there, there, is a, or there was a, a self-righteousness that God rooted out of this church family and, and has been replacing with a sweet humility that I would directly tie to what happened in 2010. You think of it this way. We, we kind of ran into a wall of, wow, we're really not a perfect church. Imagine that. <laughs> you, know, you think that lines up with a jar of clay? I mean, it just, yes! <laughs> but, but we forget that and we get impressed with ourselves and people that you know, are really struggling in life or don't look just like us get close and think, oh, I could never be so holy. I love the fact that this church is way more diverse now, in every respect, than it's ever been. And I just want to draw a direct line back to 2010 and say, Lord, thank you for humbling us. Because there's a connection. But that doesn't change the fact that Gene was pretty much under constant fire. Constant fire, back to the the halo analogy. Constant fire. Uh, You don't watch half your members leave. And half your staff leave without a significant amount of grief. I mean, just think about that. Anything other th- would. I mean, you feel like, poke, poke, are you human? <laughs> I know Gene would say that looking back, he really felt like 25 years of his ministry had just been invalidated. Now, I know I speak for many of you when I say that by the grace of God, Gene, like that that wasn't the case. Okay? That wasn't the case, pal. All right? The folks sitting in this room are proof that that wasn't the case. And we love you. And it's a privilege to follow you. And we're grateful you're our shepherd. Hey, stand up. Turn around. I want you to see this. Come here. Come here. Obey me. You are welcome, pal. You are welcome. I'm not done talking to you in front of my friends. <laughs> uh, Gene, we learned that no one in this church is perfect, including all the people that, we're, that love you. And we learned that you aren't perfect. And I've watched the Lord work a new measure of tenderhearted boldness in your preaching and leadership and a compassion for the weak that I don't think was there before, pal. I mean, there, but not in the same way. And I've heard from many folks in this church, buddy, that your sermons and your one-on-one care have only grown since 2010. I'm not pretending. I I don't solicit that. I don't pay people to speak good things of you. I just hear it. And coming out of 2010, I think it would be fair to say that Gene realized there was a lot of pastoral work to be done. The way I might describe it is it's a, the church equivalent of scraping bodies off the pavement. <laughs> a lot of work to be done. And he got busy loving and caring for a lot of people. There's a gift of perseverance, a real blessing for the church in that kind of response. But, but hear this, folks. The big disadvantage is is that you don't give needed attention to the way your own soul has been affected by the situation. Listen carefully. And when your spiritual adrenaline runs out, you get really vulnerable to depression and and spiritual numbness and, and weariness because you never stop to rest, reflect, and refocus at the feet of Jesus. It's not rocket science. And last month Gene began to perceive a, a real underlying level of spiritual weariness and discouragement in his soul. And from my perspective, I, I think that's been there ever since 2010, but it was kind of both ignored slash brushed to the side. Okay, that's different, by the way, than than being a hypocrite where where you just put on your Sunday morning happy face. How are you? I'm
1: fine.
0: That's not Gene. He hasn't been hiding weakness from us. But he's, he, in recent weeks, he has come into a, a, a new level of acute awareness of how tired he is and how weary his soul is. And I understand that. And I think that, buddy, many people in this room would just say, we're, we're surprised it took five years, you know? you're just a guy like us we're weak jars of clay and from our perspective as elders though gene's joy in preaching and competence to counsel have persisted discerning god's will for our church planning ahead and situational wisdom have become increasingly difficult for him he would describe it as living in a spiritual fall. I'm really grateful for his honesty, folks. Really thankful. It's not easy for a leader to say things like that, especially if you're a guy like Gene and you love spending and being spent for the sake of the people that you love, which happens to be all of you. (laughs) But he realized he was leading on empty and needed help, and so he is asking for our help. That's to be commended. Lesser men would run away. You need to know, if you've never been in pastoral ministry, that that there's a sense in which you you are never off the clock. I oh, help me describe this. I, the closest thing I would compare it to is parenting. You don't you don't clock out from parenting. And when when I walk out of the office or when I go home this afternoon, I take with me a sense in my heart of spiritual responsibility for several hundred people. That is a joy, and it is very hard, very tiring. And I know what Paul means when he says, and on top of all his suffering, there is the ever-present burden of my concern for all the churches. (laughs) I get that. I don't say that to make you feel sorry for me, but to be honest, and so that you can understand a little bit of what's been going on inside of Gene. So how could Paul say that and not lose heart? That's really the grand enigma. How does anybody last in Christian ministry? How does anybody finish well? Well, I think there's two things God enabled Paul to do. God wants to help Gene do. Thing one, be honest with the Lord and others about the suffering you've experienced and the way it's affected you. Just, Just start by being honest. Second, this is so important for all of us, learn how to run to God with your weakness, so that you can learn how to experience the power of God in your weakness. You've got to be honest. You can't stop there. You'll just tap out. You've got to learn how to run to God with your weakness, so that you can begin to receive and experience the power of God in your weakness. That's how you don't lose heart. And it takes time To do those things. You know sometimes you can get there. You can do that stuff in the middle of gospel ministry. Other times you've got to temporarily pull out. To rest and refocus. Mind you the fact that we need that. Is not a function of sin. It's a function of. You're not God. (laughs) You're human. We were made to depend on the Lord. And I say that because this man. Has done nothing to disqualify himself. From pastoral ministry. This is not about, you know, a nice sounding way of putting Gene out to pasture. This, Nor, I would add, is this some sort of backdoor senior pastor transition. I, I just want you all to know that we're not hiding agendas with the sabbatical. He simply needs to experience God's power and his weakness. And so what we believe he needs is an extended break from the normal work of ministry from roughly August 1st through the end of the year about five months. And if you're not familiar with the term sabbatical, it's not a vacation. It's a different kind of work. So I want to take a few minutes just to quickly walk through what's our plan for Gene. What have we proposed to him? Okay, first, we've proposed to Gene that he take a month to two to rest. A few weeks ago, as we were talking about this, it's Gene sort of gearing up for sabbatical and just already experiencing a lot of weariness. His capacity for work has significantly dropped as of late. His desire to work hasn't gone away, but his capacity has been affected. You know, and he told me, okay, I'll maybe I'll just spend some more time at home these days just to start to really, really work on my heart. And I looked at him and I just said, shut up. Just shut up! You you can say stuff like that to friends, because the first thing you need isn't to just okay now. You know now I got to get myself back in the game and the old jeans back. You know it's just no. (laughs) You gotta rest, people. It's called the fourth commandment. He needs a month or two to rest. We have admonished him. Don't say that in tongue in cheek. I mean, he just he's needed some leadership for to take unhurried time for spiritual disciplines to participate in recreational activities. Yes, he may be playing golf with some of you that are not related to pastoral ministry. And I have charged him to not jump into all kinds of reading and heartwork and journaling and exercises to try to fix himself. I want him to rest. Start with resting. And there's a good chance that he'll spend several weeks in Colorado. If you've been there, that's a great idea. Uh, Which means he'll be away from Kingsway for at least that first period of the sabbatical. Okay, second, we want Gene to take at least two months to refocus. Okay, phase one, rest. Phase two, refocus. The goal here is not to stay out of regular ministry. Is, is to stay out of regular ministry, but not out of fellowship. Let me say that again. The goal in the second phase is not to stay out of fellowship, but to stay out of regular ministry. Because he's going to need help from the elders here and others to work through some issues. Here are a couple we put on the table as we've talked with Gene. He needs help to work through what happened in his soul after 2010. And one of the things that I've seen is that I, I, I think... Gene wrongly thought it was right to kind of push through his weakness instead of really stepping back and saying, I need help too. And that's not sinful, but that's really unhealthy. That, that's not a good response to weakness, just to push through. And yet, I think all of us, especially men, are really aware of how tempting that is he needs to give some thoughts about what happened in his heart after 2010. Second, we want him to consider his calling to ministry. His calling to ministry. I completely believe he's called the pastor. Not doubting that. But I want Gene to consider why he knows that. On what basis can can he stand before the church and face down suffering and say, I know God called me this. You've got to have that. We've encouraged him to read books that stir up his love for God, to look at what the Psalms have to say about trusting God, what what the New Testament letters say about suffering and ministry. And our our goal in this phase is not just to to kind of map out Gene's every move for two months, but but just to set some contours for how we believe God wants to care for his soul. And and I should add um, that I've had the privilege of spending uh, some significant time with his wife Liz in recent weeks. And in many of the ways, the, some of the issues that I've described, challenges that Jean's experienced, she has as well. And Liz, I want you to know that I am confident that God is going to restore your soul. And God is going to work on your marriage. And he's not done with you. And we love you. We're grateful for you. We're, we're thankful for how you faithfully supported this man for so many years. So I'm eager for how God's going to use this to care for you too. Rest, refocus, and lastly, realign. What does that mean? You need to know that Gene has never had the luxury, in almost 30 years of ministry, of ever going to God and saying, Lord, what have you uniquely called me to do? What, what unique strengths do I bring to an eldership? And how can I create a job description that aligns with my strengths, so I'm playing to my strengths. For so many years, he was the only pastor on staff here. Here's the question he asked, what needs done? (laughs) What needs done? Uh, Okay, I guess I'm going to do it. You know, that's sort of life. But now as our eldership has grown, there are more men around him, I've charged Gene to go to God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do for my last 10 years? He's got about 10 more years of full-time pastoral ministry. And, and I don't want Gene to start with what he's done the last 30 years. Just like I said, we, we're not doing this to get the old Gene back. We, we don't want the old Gene back. We want Gene to follow Jesus. And if you love him, you won't want the old Gene back. You, you want him to encounter God and come back with a word from the Lord and say, Brother, sister, this is what the king has told me to do for my 10 years. He needs that. Rest refocus, realign. All of that is not a guarantee. Okay, a sabbatical is not a coin you put in a man's heart and outspits rest, refocus, realign. We've never done this before. We are unashamedly learning as we go, but it's our hope because we know Gene's God. And my hope is that he would come back physically rested, spiritually refreshed, confident in his call, clear on what's happened in his soul the last couple years and eager and ready for 10 more. And I want you to join me in praying for that. I know you will. And yet I also know you're probably thinking I'm going to end with this before we hear from Gene. What in the world is that going to mean for the rest of us? Trust me, the man speaking to you has been asking you that question. <laughs> been asking that question. What is this going to mean for the, the rest of us for half a year? I got two points here. Okay, listen, please listen carefully. Gene sabbatical is an opportunity for all of us to be the church. One of you knows what I just meant. Verbally agreed with me. Okay, let me explain. Gene sabbatical is a chance for all of us to be the church. Why do I say that? Because this church isn't built on Gene. It's just not. I mean, I love you. We are not built on you. We are built on Jesus Christ. You've taught us that. So we love Gene, we thank God for Gene, but we don't stop being the church while Gene is temporarily absent. Why? Because God isn't going on sabbatical. (laughs) The the power of the gospel isn't going on sabbatical. You know, the, the Lord doesn't sit in heaven and say, okay, I want all 250 or so of you to just take a knee, get some oranges, drink some Gatorade, and in six months we'll get back to building the church caring for our community, preaching the gospel, discipling men and women, and loving our neighbors and raising our children. No, no. This church isn't built on gene, and God isn't going on sabbatical. That means that this sabbatical is a chance for all of us to keep being the church. You need to know that. And one of the things I think God in a wonderful way, folks, is going to root out of us to the extent it's present, is any man-centeredness to your presence here. I I want to charge you, don't stick around for six months because you're waiting for Gene. Nor should you be here for six months because you're in love with my leadership. You know why you should be here for six months? Because you know by faith, it's the only reason you should ever be in a church, that King Jesus has called you here. And he's given you a mission. And, And this church isn't about... Us paying people to do gospel ministry so the rest of us can just, oh, well done, well done. I love watching you work. No. It's my job to equip you. And for the next six months, you're going to (laughs) work. Oh, don't take that out of context. (laughs) What a slave master he is. He just always beat me with. No. But, but you know what I mean? It's a real shame that today thousands of people migrate among churches as their leaders move. You know what that says to the world? That this is the Super Bowl. It's not. He's the king. We're here for him. Don't go anywhere. Let me add a personal note. There is no way I can do all his work in mind. Just not. I fully expect that I will offend some of you. <laughs> I do. Because there are things that we have yet to discover that you are going to want to see happen or wish would get done. And I'm going to have to look you in the eye and say with sadness and honesty, I'm sorry, we can't do that. I can't be too pastors." Pray for me. I'm not going to try to be two pastors. And I should add at this point that Chris and Josh Kruger, who've already been up on stage, are a huge gift from God. Because there is no way I could be doing this as the only remaining staff pastor without these guys. I'm so thankful that God led us to establish and move toward bivocational eldership several years ago. The Lord knew he would need a break. He got us ready for it. And I am hopeful that this fall, Chris will be fully set in as an elder here. And within a year, I am kicking this guy's door down to get him past the ordination exam (laughs) so that he too is fully engaged. But in the meantime, they are a tremendous expression of support for me and love for you. So guys, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be a bad pastor and say, finally, after my third finally, uh, let me charge you with this. Then we'll hear from Gene. Gene's sabbatical, like I said, is a chance for us to be the church. It's also a chance for you and me and all of us to care for him. And I'm really excited for him to remember and his wife to remember And of all of us to remember, I love you, but you're just a guy. (laughs) You're you're a member here, Gene. You're our brother before you're our pastor. And so over time, if somebody's always in that pastoral position and always serving there and you're always relating to them in that role, you can kind of forget that. And that's how people end up on pedestals. They fall. One of the beautiful ways we can keep him off a pedestal here is by all of us for the next five to six months doing everything we can to love, encourage, support, and care for them. Not because they're our pastor, pastor's wife, because they're our brother and sister in Christ. We we owe that to them. Not because they're high and lofty and special. They're worthy of honor. Gene's worthy of honor. Faithful elder. But they're like us. And we get to love them. Find a way to do that. You can pray. You can write him a note. You need to know that we're going to continue. This is just be wrong to do anything else. But we're going to continue Gene's normal salary and benefits throughout his entire sabbatical. That would be a smack in the face to do anything but that. But there will be some additional travel expenses. And I want to encourage you, if God moves on your heart, uh, to give directly to Gene and Liz to offset those costs. There's no pressure to do that. I'm not going to ask or no, but I want to release you to do that. Thank you for doing uh, so well, church, at caring for folks. I, f- I feel like I'm just reminding you to do for them what you're already doing for each other. So, Gene, I want us to hear from you. I've said a lot. Uh, we love you. We're grateful for you. Come and share what you're thinking about all this.
1: first i I love you and thank God for you. I really do. this is um, it, this is uncomfortable for me. It's hard to receive because uh, because I love serving you and I love doing the things we do, and it's not a burden to me to do those things. Uh, one of the joys of the past few months is as I've gradually recognized that I'm getting weaker um, in, in one sense it is to see that God's been able to use my weakness and actually I think I've done a better job of serving you in different ways in my weakness than I did in my strength. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but I think I've gotten here because I've assumed over the past five years that we just keep moving forward, and the the lake would refill as we go. And the, what I recognized a month or two back is it's, that's just not happening. And um, and so feeling that sense of of, of wanting to um, lead you with vision and with hope and with faith, and then I described it to the guys as opening the toolbox to plan and to 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 envision and it's kind of just empty and it's and it's like well what do I do with that and uh, as I talk to Matthew and Chris and Josh the what I want you to know is that from the very beginning their first thought was well how can we help you what is what's God want to do what is it that you need from God and how can we come alongside you to make you to make that happen so from the very beginning, grace has marked our interaction, not a so surprise because of where those men are, but it has been a wonderful place of blessing and care. And so all that Matthew described really is just several weeks of looking at what 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 can we do in a situation like this to replenish and restore you so that you can do what God's called you to do, so that you can be who God's called you to be. It's been first about me as a person, not me as a pastor. And from the very beginning, as I've interacted with numbers of you, that's been your response as well. So I want you to know that I recognize my need for a sabbatical as an expression of My weakness in God that he's appointed so that I can so that my hope, my strength and my life come only from him and not from my own energies or gifting. So that's a very good thing. It's humbling. It's not my preference. Even this past week, I I wanted to be doing things. I wanted to be engaging with you and, and working with these men. And I'm realizing Boy, I'm being phased out for the time being, and that's very hard. Um, but it's God's plan for me, and so I want you to know that I approach the season with humble, with humility, and with a very clear sense of God's leading and His care and His provision. Because my my hope is this: that I want to finish the race with you, and I want to finish the race well. Uh, and and I'm aware that as is as, as I'm processing that this that there are numbers of you who are also in a place of Christian ministry experiencing some of the same things and and I'm hoping that we can experience God's rest together, so there's hope for all of them let me let me say this as well. I have several pastors that I'm aware of in in churches in in the area, not, not this church, who are in those, a similar position and who don't have people around them caring for them. And there really is just no hope for them. And the, I just want you to know how much, how grateful I am to you and to the pastors that I work with that that provision is there. It is undeserved and it's God's blessing. So I let me let you know what I'm asking God to do and while while we're on sabbatical. Very simple. 1 Peter 510. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's it. That's what I'm in need of. That's What I want to ask you to pray for, Psalm 23, He restores my soul. I just realized I can't restore my own soul. And I'm so dependent. And actually, it's a little frightening because there's no handbook that says, okay, here's what you do on day one of your sabbatical. And then if you go to the end, oh, you're restored. It just it doesn't work that way. It's something God has to do. And only God can do that. Only God can restore my soul. And if you're weary, only God can restore your soul. There's, there's, there's no program. That's scary. I need God's help. Please pray. Also pl- pray that God would just give Liz and I grace to to be away from you for an extended time. That, it's hard to embrace that because we've been with you for some of you for over twenty six years. That's a long time. You're probably looking forward to a little bit of a break. <laughs> But it's hard for us. You're not, this isn't a job. I, I'd never considered ministry a job. It, it isn't a job to be with you. It's a joy to be with you. And and at, during the last part of our sabbatical, I look forward to returning and sitting back there with you in, in a seat next to you and just, just enjoying being here at Kingsway. I, I, I want that. I want to be with you. I don't want to be away. But I know at least initially we need to Because we both have bad habits of relating in certain ways that would just draw me right back in. So we need to have a break, but I want you to know we're going to miss you. And I look forward to to re-engaging with you. I I also want to say to you that um, I am confident in the men who will be pastoring you in my absence. Um, you're very precious to me, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're not just kind of calling in a pastor for hire to to come in and and preach some messages and and patch up your, your wounds. We, there, these men love you as we do, and um, I I know I, I know you know this, but I don't want you to take it for granted. Matthew is an amazing. Gift to this church. I'm so grateful that, that God has chosen a man who is, has grown up here. This is, this is the only church he's known. And he's grown up here and he, he loves you as I love you. He cares for you as I care for you. And he has an unusual combination of giftedness and humility. Very extraordinary. And it is an enormous blessing that he's going to be here week after week, continuing to lead you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for caring for this rock song. Thank you. So you need to know he has cared for my soul and for Liz's soul through this time and will continue to do that. And I am supremely confident of not, uh, not only how he leads, but where, what he's going to do as he's carrying on. I'm so grateful for that. Matthew said the church is not stopping for six months. I'm so grateful for that. Oh, God, may you do more and more and more in these six months. I'm also incredibly grateful for Chris and Josh because literally what Matthew says, we couldn't be doing this apart from these two men. They are an amazing grace to our church. I'm so grateful that, that several years ago we approached this whole idea of bivocational ministry. I'm so grateful for you, Josh, in responding to that as you have a very demanding job and, and to the way you've served the young adults and the way you've served as, as a, an elder in training, I am so grateful for you. And Chris, after many years of us asking you, are you ready to, to come on? Are you ready to prepare for ordination? And then in January, God said, yes, yes. And you said, yes. And oh, what a gift you are, my friend. Um, I, I'm so excited about being in Bolivia with you in next two weeks. And I'm so excited of the, the gift that God's put in you for this church. So I am supremely confident in their leadership as I'm away. Um, and lastly, let me just thank you for praying for us for Liz and myself, and it really is both of us together. One of my prayers, is that God would rekindle our, our romance, rekindle our affection, rekindle our communication as we are restored together, as God restores our souls together. We both need it. And I'm so glad we can experience that together. So, um, so I, I just want to say thank you for, for loving us so much. And to invite your questions and to invite your communication and to let you know that um, when I come back, oh, this is my prayer. Lord, send me back in strength because we have a lot left to do. Uh, I am eager. I'm eager to go because I want to come back in strength by God's grace and, and serve you. Run the race together. Run this last leg, however long it is, together. So thank you for your care. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your trust in God with us for our sabbatical and for the time we're away. And thank you for the privilege of over these 25 years of walking side by side. Thank you. I am deeply deeply grateful to you. Amen. God bless you.
0: Quinn, can you come up with a band? I want to make very quickly a few closing comments, and we're going to sing as we close. Church, on one level, this is going to be hard. We haven't done this before. On another level, uh, this is going to be easy because we love Gene and Liz, and we trust the Lord, and it makes all the sense in the world to do whatever is necessary to help see him restored. That's easy. That's not a hard decision. It's hard. It's easy. And lastly, please remember this is about God, not Gene. We have no interest in doing anything as pastors here, or as a church for that matter, that God is not directing. And we believe that it's become increasingly clear that God is leading this man into a sabbatical. And so when you think about the meeting today and the next couple months, Remember this, we're following the Lord, we're following the Lord, it's about God, not Gene. And his sabbatical is not a net loss for King's Way, and if this is your first or second or third Sunday with us, I'm thrilled you could sit in, because this is church life. We are all human, we are all weak, and we have a great big Savior. And I want us to close by remembering that because I think there are probably things that every one of us has has heard today related to the difficulty of ministry, the sufficiency of the power of God, our need to rest, uh, that that puts us in a place of needing to cry out to the Lord in our trouble and trust him to deliver us from our distress. So stand with me if you would. We're going to worship by singing and bringing our tithes and offerings.